Hello and welcome to Genetically Speaking. In our first season, we delved into the careers of our members within the American Society of Human Genetics. We had great conversations with genetic counselors, researchers, educators, clinicians, and more. We were able to explore their unique journeys and the impact they've made in the world of human genetics and genomics. If this is the first time you're tuning in, welcome and we're glad to have you here. For our repeat listeners, welcome back. I hope you hear something new that stays with you. Thanks for joining us in revisiting Season 1 of Genetically Speaking. Welcome to the ASSG Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Gunter, and today we're joined by newly minted Dr. Mila Merceda from the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto. It's very nice to meet you in person. Congratulations on just completing your PhD. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your, your I guess, your new work that you're going to be doing or maybe some of your PhD here. Okay, so um, so yeah, I st- I've stayed in the same lab on this uh, postdoc. Um, I did my PhD uh, at the Hospital for Sick Children and Dr. Christopher Pearson's lab. Okay. So, <laughs> so we, he works on repeat expansion diseases, and we look at the DNA level and understanding um, what is occurring uh, at these repeat expansions, what kind of structures are occurring, uh, what proteins might be involved, and then um, kind of the overarching goal of the lab is how can we contract these repeats to uh, modulate disease and and hopefully uh, cure some of these diseases. So um, I've worked on ALS and FTD for my PhD. Um, I've looked at um, both, uh, so looked at the structures and proteins uh, for part of my project. So what kind of structures are forming mostly in vitro and trying to do some in vitro and cellular work. By the repeats. Yeah, by the repeat expansions themselves. Yeah, because we think that these repeat expansions are um, causing uh, secondary structures to form. And the processing of this, uh, possibly through uh, mismatch repair proteins or other DNA repair proteins, yeah, is is actually leading to an expansion bias. So for us, it's like, what? Um, how can we maybe target some of these proteins, or or how could we even just target these structures? Um, so actually, recently in our lab, um, side, uh, another project that I wasn't involved in, um, we have uh, just published a drug that binds to the. A CAG repeat, yeah, yeah. Uh, Huntington's, yeah. Okay, so I did my PhD on repeat expansion back okay. in the day. So I've been strictly instructed that I cannot spend this entire time talking about repeat expansion. Oh, okay. I tell you that up front, even though I want to. Okay, cool. so, yeah, I saw your papers on the repeat expansion structures and the CAG repeat Huntington's, which was just out in nature, right? Yeah, in nature, nature um, genetics. Yeah. In nature yeah. genetics, yeah. yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. Um, yeah, just fascinating stuff, right? And so when I was starting out in my PhD in genetics, um, uh, I started in lab right after they found the HMR1 repeat. Oh, it's so Warren. One in 1990, kind of? Okay. Yes, 92. Yeah, that's when I started. I just dated you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's loading. <laughs> it's all good. Um, and then they found the um, Huntington. That's actually one of the first ASHGs that I went to. It's probably like my second or third one. And the late breaking report was the finding of the Huntington. Yeah, he didn't know. And we were all like, this is it. Like, they're everywhere. Yeah, so. I feel like it really feels like now they're everywhere because like in the last few years, it's like three or four repeat expansion diseases a year. It's pretty impressive. So it's yeah, except back in my day, we had to walk up the vote myself. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I actually kind of feel that way because my projects are like we've I've done some um, characterizing some, some of these breaks that are occurring in um, in ALS and CD cells. And so I've looked at a lot of of metaphase spreads of and so I, like, I literally am searching back and forth through um, slides to try to find these breaks. And so just recently, we actually got a microscope funded in the lab for like, automated oh, um, metaphase searching. So it's like, you're like, you kids don't know. Yeah. So I'd be like, oh, my God, the last five years of my degree, well, not five, but right, like, right. let's say two and a half years of my degree, I've been struggling hours on the microscope. Now it's just like all done. 
So I get to sort of get a little bit of that now while I'm in the lab. I use it. So I'm kind of like excited about that. Yeah. But I will be moving on elsewhere. So that's, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. I'm not sure where you have but it's okay. <laughs> but you know, so what you're doing with this podcast is saying, hey, people should contact you if they're interested in an awesome postdoc. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not sure. So yeah, I'm not sure if I'm on the postdoc route. I'm kind of more driven to industry. Really? Um, okay. I think so. Yeah. I think I want to be an R and D uh, in industry. So um so yeah, I, I I've been debating whether I would do a short postdoc yeah. um before that or if I would just, just transition. So I'm kind of like I'm not in a rush to leave. Christopher's labs. So I kind of feel like I can wait for the right opportunity and see and think about both the postdoc or the um, um, or the industry route. But um, I think I would, yeah, really still like to be doing bench science. And so I've, I've kind of done some career exploring in the last like two months. Not much time, but um, just meeting with people and seeing, like, you know, do I really still want to stay at the bench or go somewhere? I, I still think I'm set with the bench. Yeah. And that's so important to take that time. I think um, with other people uh, in these stories that we, we've been talking about, so much pressure. I think trainees feel so much pressure. And I think that's so great that you're taking the time to explore. I also would say, looking back from just a little bit older than you, is that um, I, you're, you may go down a route for four or five years and be like, yeah, this is actually the wrong thing. And that is yeah. perfectly okay. Yeah, I, yeah. You do not have to have it all figured out. Yeah. Until they make changes. It helps. I think that, like, if I had to have left the lab at the time of defense, like at, yeah. at the end and had a plan at that point, like I really didn't have time or mental capacity to even think about yeah. that in my opinion. Because all you can do is see the light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. Just like got to get to the end. And so it really helped to just have this kind of like safety net secured and just go forward um, and then think and not feel like I'm making a mistake or like a, just deciding something to decide something. Right. So, so yeah. So I, I like to take it like the right decision yeah absolutely and yeah. make ghost work for your ghost workout that's fine yeah and ghost work yeah yeah exactly so yeah so i know you're here at the ashg for the career development committee which you're one of the co-chairs of yeah. so can you tell us a little bit about the cdc and what y'all are doing and then also how trainees if they're interested in serving how they could mm-hmm. do that of course um so we used to be the training and development committee we were very trainee focused um and so we're just shifting now and and re um reevaluating the kind of resources that we're offering for to trainees as the career career development committee and now we're not only focusing on trainees but we're trying to get early career scientists okay. that are at the beginning of their um uh but do in a way. Yeah, kind of like the, but, but in before we were also doing like a lot of postdoc and PhD level. Now we're kind of getting those first few year uh, faculty position cool. uh, individuals as well, kind of covering um, uh, in the committee as a whole. And so we've kind of diversified, uh, which is really cool. Like I've only briefly met a lot of the like the new members mm-hmm. um, at the last um, at the annual meeting in October. So uh, I think this will be a really great experience to meet all these people from diverse backgrounds, like a bunch of them are in industry, um, several are, are PIs, several are, and then there's several PhD postdoc level, I guess. So um, that were, we were the original kind of uh, pretty that kind of uh, morphed into something bigger. And, and so now this year we're kind of uh, planning what kind of resources we're going to be offering. Um, and so where is this committee going to go? Um, and uh and so we have some some of the things that we have from like from previous years um, that's that's been successful and that we we think we'll take forward is things like the nascent transcripts or our newsletter that we send out um, that's trainee driven and uh, we have writers subscribe to that through the website right? exactly and yeah they should get the emails as okay. well um, as a member um, okay. but as a trainee member yeah um, uh, 
but I can look into that. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so, so they can, um, so they get the emails on the quarterly newsletter and, uh, those are written by not, not only we have some writers on our, on the committee, but this is, you know, if anyone is interested, any trainees, postdocs, um, even I think early career faculty would be a great option if you're interested in writing, um, a article on some kind of um, maybe a general science topic or something that's of interest to trainees that you think would be yeah. our early career scientists, um, you know, things like coping with like um, experiences in the lab, like resilience yeah. and this, all kinds of stuff like that, not just science related. But um, but we have, yeah, we have lots of writers that kind of rotate. And so you're not writing um, all the time. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not that uh, high of a level of a commitment, but it allows you to kind of diversify and, you know, yeah. or some hobbies and interests that you might have right so yeah. so so yeah so there's uh things like that that we do and then at the annual meeting we try to organize a couple of sessions um uh f- such as um like a, a research uh career panel like re- research related career panels or industry related uh, or i wouldn't say research i would say academia versus industry career panels <laughs> and um we try to have those uh for trainees uh and postdocs to come by and and ask questions and and learn about people's career tra- trajectories. We try to also have like grant writing workshops. Uh, we've done the resilience training um, also as a webinar. We did it in person and we did it as a webinar. And I think that the turnout was great. Yeah, um, yeah. It was pretty um, impressive. Y'all do so much. We've done a lot. Yeah, a lot of a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, back in back in my day, <laughs> it was just um, the training mentor luncheon. That right, isn't it? With that too, still. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Which is awesome. I remember sitting um, with a friend of mine at the table of Francis Collins. Ah, oh, back in the days, so it was be like '94, and later he became my boss's boss. Now, so there you go. So <laughs> both are oh, well, that's exactly right. It's so interesting. So, but that's so great. I mean, it seems to me looking at what y'all have done, it's just expanded so much as well. And then you also do webinars, right? So you just had a webinar, the social media. Yeah, you are. You brought that. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but the, I love. I mean, my philosophy is when students ask you to do stuff, you always say yes. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's a good law. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. They actually wanted to come do it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so y'all, y'all, we had a webinar about how to use social media. News I had fun. Yeah, so we we try to do uh, things like that. So it's great. To, it would be like we uh, always have. Um, a couple of spots, I think, a year, one or two spots usually a year that open up as people roll off of the committee. It's a three-year commitment, um, and uh, and I think it's a great opportunity to meet so many people. Uh, this is my third year now, and I've really I've really loved being on the committee and um, being involved and in planning some of these resources, listening to what um, other trainees are interested in having. Just you just get to meet a lot of great people at the meeting as well, and yeah. so and then you get to meet them again in the next right. year. So that's really nice. Right? Yeah, yeah, like you get to like like see all these people once a year but you just kind of like keep uh connecting and that's so cool i really like it yeah 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 yes exactly so that's really cool and i think y'all have also done guides for trainees on how to get through the annual meeting right because it can be a huge place and a little overwhelming yes yeah yeah so we've done some of uh, those kind of resources online um some videos and stuff but um yeah we're always kind of looking for new ideas on how to deal with that and what to do next so something like like you kind of are Toying with um, many ideas, and we'll talk about them tomorrow during yeah. our, our your committee meeting. Committee meeting yeah. tomorrow, yeah, and we'll see what actually goes through. But um, we'd love to, like, you know, have like a, a like a mentor pair up. Like, it's like you know, an experienced ASHG trainee, and you're a first time goer, and like kind of you know, give people um, guidance. So that's you know something that's on the table to discuss. But um, but basically, we are always trying to look for new ideas on how to to like deal with them because honestly i go to the meeting every year and i am like 
like very stressed like day three comes along yeah and it's like oh my god yeah i can't dance to be born what it like schedule is seriously like 7 30 a.m to midnight yeah, or what yeah, yeah. yeah and i'm like i have all these great intentions at the beginning i'm, gonna, this time. I'm really yeah. interested in this but it has nothing to do with my word i'm just the four talks you wire at the same time and yes yeah, yeah and so i was just like you have to make a choice and then some there's just like well i'm not going to anything out because i'm tired yes yeah, you have to have a brain right yeah absolutely yeah that's usually for me by thursday i'm like okay yeah, yeah. all right i need two minutes exactly yeah yeah so it sounds like uh, obviously spent lots of time in the lab recently trying to get out but one of the things that we're interested in is what you do outside the lab do you have any hobbies do you do anything outside when you get outside when yeah when i read no i i do i do um hobbies uh i would probably say um like i'm really committed to yoga like i do a lot of yoga i really i need that um yeah kind of that meditative space um so yeah so i do that a couple times a week and i would say that was that that would be my big hobby um and reading i'm very like just reading for fun uh so i have a self subway streetcar kind of ride that's 30 minutes in one direction just a kiss so yeah so i read and it's it is perfect as long as i don't get uh, addicted to the book and then i don't start like wait 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 yes <laughs> okay so any good book recommendations i read recently that was really good that's who we should check out Oh, I read The Last Train to London. Um, that was a very painful, difficult book. Um, it was, it's about the Holocaust. Oh, and, man. Yeah. And it's, uh, but it's, it's so, it's an amazing book though. Um, the, it's a true story. The woman um, transported uh, like about 10,000 children about like in the span of, it was mostly like before, like really the war started, but as things were ramping up um, and that the anti-Jewish sentiment was kind of building up in like Austria and Germany, she was smuggling these kids out to the Netherlands and then to to England and a lot of these like like either orphaned or just people giving their children away. So you're reading these things, it's very traumatizing. But um so it was very, very uh yeah like addicted. Yeah. I ran it like in less than a week and I was like, oh my God, I can't do these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I need like a light the two glitters. Yeah. So I try to actually read history books now. It's actually because it's interesting. So I'm reading like some stuff now about like the like the Inca um, uh, civilization, like Peru. Cause we're, we're, I'm actually planning a trip to. Peru. I was about to say, yeah, you obviously have to play a trip and to see that. That's what I. But I'm interested in, in just the whole like entire period and everything. Then, so these books are great because I'm getting like it's 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 interesting. It's captivating. Right. It's not. Yeah. yeah, and it's not something that like I can't stop reading. I can be like, okay, this is gonna go down, and yeah. I'm gonna go do something else. So, um, which is good, but it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a twin set of questions here. Okay. And the first one is looking back at yourself when you just started your PhD, what advice would you like to give to yourself or when you were even looking for a PhD? Yeah. yeah. Um, two things. One of the things I think would have been so advantageous in the people that do this is um, to come into the lab in the summer, try to either volunteer or to try to like um, work uh, to be paid as a, like, I mean, it's, minimum right. wage probably right, right. but still it's still yeah. great um and so or volunteer um but uh just to have exposure to have a project started maybe or even just to count it as a rotation almost right like we i mean i think in the u.s it's standard most labs have rotations for phds but yes. we don't have that in canada oh no um u of t is is rare in that sense like that we have rotations so oh. for most of the people in other universities across canada it's you, you just kind of have to pick your advisor beforehand. So you're kind of like, you're like yeah. committed. So U of T has, yeah. so the molecular genetics program that I finished, it has the, th we have three rotations, five weeks each. So it's still short, but it's what nice. Said that. Yeah, if you're, yeah. yeah. And so, and so, yeah. Um, But like you could add another rotation, you could get a head start on your project. That would be so cool. Yep. Like I would really wish I had had the 
guts to kind of reach out to a PI at the time. And so that kind of brings me to my second thing is that I just wish I had, yeah, a little bit more confidence coming in because you kind of felt like, um, like you have, like most people have lab experience and if you, even if you don't, but like I had a senior thesis project, I did a lot of lab work. Um, I, and, and I had a molecular biology, uh, specialization in my program. So like I had a lot and it was came in and I thought like, oh my God, I'm not like, I'm, you know, not, the, not the, like the, the dumbest one in the class, but I just didn't think I was anywhere and kind of, but of course you weren't, I mean, you were like, but this is the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Right? You, still were to, you still have it. You got now have it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. <laughs> even now I'm like, oh, I'm just like a, like even, you know, being asked to do this interview, I was like, well, I've only done my, uh, postdoc for two months are you sure you guys want to talk of course of course yes yeah, so yeah so yeah i mean you every stage you kind of have that but yeah you kind of tell yourself go back oh you shouldn't have been that kind of uh, so much easier to see in rich yeah oh yeah. yeah exactly and so so yeah so that i think those are the two things and just don't be scared to reach out to pis because like yeah. they do want to talk to you and especially if like you're a prospective student um they're eager to mentor they're eager to get new students they're gonna love to meet with you um so go ahead and do it in advance before you come to the program because that just gives you like i don't know kind of like a nice start and I, I did i didn't feel like i started nicely i just felt like kind of yeah a little yeah, bit of well so yeah yeah it's hard yeah. so yeah that and is maybe you and it's they're not eager to meet with you and don't want to be with you and that's a sign or oh yeah so there you go exactly so don't go there <laughs> <laughs> go in accordingly right um, yeah, yeah and then yeah you uh, never know they're just maybe busy right yeah exactly that's you're right you're right it's a bad time yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard yeah and then the, the last question is so then where do you see yourself five years from now uh, so yeah i think i like i really do want to be in industry and i want to be doing more drug therapy focused cool research so yeah. there's a lot of really cool like i feel like industry's really changed in the last few years mm -hmm. um in comparison to maybe how things were in the past um and so I feel like there's a lot of really cool experimental science and, and these environments can still feel very academic. Um, I know they're profit driven, of course, right? But at the end, like at the end of the day, there is still that element. But Indiana also has a little profit driven. Right? Exactly. You have to bring grants in. So, yeah, exactly. And so this is and so, yeah, so I feel like that there is like a lot more freedom to explore and to kind of think creatively and come up with cool things. So I would like to. Yeah, I would like to see myself in a, a bio like a biotech or a, a, like a small uh, startup pharmaceutical kind of environment maybe not in five, maybe in five years even who knows yeah. um but like now and like in the near future that's what i kind of am like leaning towards that's good um and so yeah i'd like to be kind of designing because like, some of the coolest stuff is happening now like i it's like it's personalized medicine is really like yeah. taking off and there's so much um there's so many like so much big data coming out that shows us all these potential therapeutic things uh, targets and directions but like you really need to validate them and there's a lot of work yeah. to be in that series because i'm not big data i have no like i'm yeah. overwhelmed yeah. by yeah by yeah. anything computational our programming i don't i don't know i can't yeah but you know the the wet lab techniques i've got those and so yeah that's where i'd kind of like to that's um, great to to try to to, to transition to. yes i'll always have want to try to find yeah try to find the right place right fit um and that's and great. start looking. I don't know. See him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. I am uh, Dr. Chris Gunnar, and that was Dr. Mila Marcetta of the Hospital for Sick Children. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That was great. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Genetically Speaking. Join us again next week for another episode.